Ezekiel chapter number 37. Ezekiel chapter number 37. Most of you don't know this, but uh, a couple weeks ago, I, uh, I think pastor had me preach on a Sunday night, and this last year I started using an iPad for the mic to teach in Sunday school. And so I'd kind of been learning how to use an iPad to teach. <clears throat> and I was preaching that Sunday night. I think it was maybe the first or second time I'd ever preached here with my iPad. And I had my new Bible. I've got my, my old worn out Bible tonight. I had my new Bible and I, I'm preaching that Sunday night. And next thing you know, the service is over. And a couple of people had commented about how short it was. And, uh, including some people that stopped by the office that week. <clears throat> well, come to find out, uh, Mr. Reen, there were five points to that message. I had moved, like scrolled up on my iPad, and I had gone from point two to point five like that. <laughs> so I learned, Brother Mike, I learned, this time around I've got a really long introduction, and then just three subpoints were done. So, amen. We're sitting at lunch today talking about the service tonight, and Micah goes, Dad, it'll be okay. You only preach about half of it anyway. So I'm like, thanks, son. Appreciate it. But thankful for the opportunity to preach tonight, and thankful for how God does things. And I'll, I'll explain that here in a second, kind of the way uh, just God orchestrated everything tonight. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number 1. The Bible says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. This is obviously Ezekiel speaking here. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy again, these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. If you're looking at your Bible tonight, that word Lord right there should be all caps. Talking about Jehovah, Jehovah God. Verse 7 says, So I, Ezekiel, prophesied as I was commanded, And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Verse number 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. We started out singing the congregation song tonight, Victory in Jesus. Miss Emily just sang about the middle of the storm, and Lord willing, tonight we're going to preach on this thought, victory in midst of the valley. Victory in the midst of the valley. Father, we thank you for the opportunity And the privilege it is to be able to be in your house, Lord, I'm humbled by the fact that, um, Lord, that you'd use me, that you, Lord, that you'd even want to. Lord, I pray tonight that this message would be an encouragement. Lord, it's been an encouragement for me as I studied it yesterday and even into this afternoon. And Lord, in in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, Lord, there is such great victory. 
I pray tonight, Lord, that as a membership and as the people here at Riverside Baptist Church have gathered this Sunday evening to hear from you, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us. Lord, we need encouragement. 2020 has been a rough year. It's been a year uh, full of just a lot of questions and a lot of uh, struggle and a lot of strife. Lord, tonight, help us to have the victory that you so desire for our life. Lord, help us to glean from Scripture what you'd have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. In August of 2005, Crystal and I were living in Oklahoma City. I had uh, finished up Bible college, and she was working for a medical clinic there, and I had interviewed and had gotten a position with a bank to work in finance, and I had no finance degree, but just went for the interview, got offered the position, was getting ready to accept it. And then God called us to go to First Baptist Church of Peaceful Valley in Colorado Springs. And so the middle part of August of 2005, we, I, I flew Crystal from Oklahoma City to Colorado Springs, and I loaded up a U-Haul truck, and my dad and I drove across country, basically from Oklahoma City to Colorado. And, and I remember driving across into Colorado and thinking about the move, and growing up in the military, I'd lived in many different states and lived overseas in England for a time, and I'd never lived in Colorado, so I was excited about living in Colorado. But as I drove to Colorado, one of the things that you'll notice right away is the mountains. You'll notice how beautiful the mountains are, and you just can't get away from the beauty of the mountains. And so as I got into Colorado Springs in the middle of August 2005, I kind of made a promise to myself that one day, hopefully sooner rather than later, that I would climb Pikes Peak. Now you see, Pikes Peak stands at 14,115 feet above sea level, and Pikes Peak stands uh, as, as a central figure, if you would, in the Colorado, Colorado Springs area. And those of you that have grown up there, I know Miss Lisa grew up there, and, and you see the beauty of Pikes Peak. And I remember uh, going out of the house in the morning and looking out behind the house, and, and all you see is Pikes Peak and the mountain range and the front range. And remember how just how beautiful and how majestic it was. And so there came a time while I was there that I began to train to climb this mountain. And you just, listen, you just don't get on a trail and, and climb 14,000 feet. You just, it just doesn't happen, Brother Philip. And so there was times that I trained. We had a guy in our church by the name of Chris Kennedy. He was a, a Green Beret, and he was my training partner. Big mistake on my part, I know. I'm not a Green Beret, and so he would train with a rucksack and, and in his boots, and, and he had all this weight, and I'm thinking, dude, I just want to make it up and not die on the way up. So we trained for a couple months, and there came the morning where the guys, we had about 15 guys in our church that decided that they were going to climb it. I, I tried to talk my dad into climbing it. He said, absolutely not. I'll meet you at the top with the church van and bring you back down. And I remember we started out about 4 a.m. in the morning, and you begin in Manitou Springs at the trailhead, and, and you're excited, and you're just, you're just so motivated, and you're, just, you're like, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to mark this off my bucket list, and I'm only 23 years old. Hallelujah. You know, man, this is just awesome. And so you get climbing up the peak, and you get climbing up the trail, and you go up, and, you go up, and there's, always, there's always all kinds of people going back and forth, and people that are hiking up it, people that have camped along the side, and, and you're just looking at the beauty of God's creation, and there's no cell service. Uh, there's no smog, there's no car horns, it's just you, the trees, and a bunch of rocks. And you're like, man, this is awesome. And so we began about four o'clock in the morning, and, and, and we started climbing and climbing and climbing, and there's a, there's a point you get to, kind of the halfway point. And you get to this campsite, this halfway point, and man, then, then, then you start getting cramps, and you start having people pass on out, and you start having people go, well, you know, I, I'm just not as that excited about the mountaintop as you, Brother Andrew, so I'm just going to turn and, and hike back, and, and, and listen, the hike back was even worse than the hike the rest of the way on up. It was horrible. But that day, I decided, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it up to the top. So Brother Chris and I, we kept climbing and kept climbing. And you get to a point when you're climbing up the mountain where you get above tree line. 
And you get to the point when you're climbing up the mountain and all you see is the rocks and the formations and the peak, and you're like, man, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer. And I remember those last few steps as I'm trying to crawl on up, and it's not like you're hiking on up, taking a step, it's like you're like scooting on up the rocks, and you're just trying to get up. And Brother Chris, he, uh, he had a jar of peanut butter, and I'll never forget it. I look on down at him as he's coming on up trying to motivate some of the other guys. He pulls a jar of peanut butter out of his rucksack and reaches in, does one of these deals, and shoves it in his mouth, and in one gulp just gets the peanut butter. He goes, oh, I'm ready now, bro. Let's go. I'm thinking, man, this guy's crazy. And I remember getting to the top of Pike's Peak. And let me encourage you, if you've ever had the opportunity to go to the top of Pike's Peak, absolutely gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. I mean, just, it just absolutely beautiful. You could, you, could, you could know, you understand at the top of Pike's Peak why America the Beautiful was written. I mean, just the beauty as you're up there and the tranquility and the peace. But you know, I noticed something at the top of the mountain And that is this, at the top of the mountain there, it's very bare. There's nothing that grows there. There's no trees, there's no weeds, there's no bushes, there's no grass, there's no vegetation. Let me say it like this, there's no life. There's no life at the top of the mountain. And listen, while my goal, my desire was to get to the top of the mountain, over time I got to the top of the mountain and thought, this isn't as beautiful as I thought. Listen, the Christian life a lot of times is mountaintops and valleys. Would we agree? The Christian life sometimes is victories and defeats. And so often we look at the mountaintop experience and we're excited for it and we're striving for it. And listen, we ought to. We ought to, we ought to experience those mountaintop experience of looking out and seeing for miles and, and just seeing that, uh, the beauty that God has. But can I say this tonight that nothing grows on the mountaintop. It only grows in the valley. Things only grow and mature in the valley. It could be said that you and I in our spiritual life, while we have those mountaintop experiences, we don't see real fruit and real growth. But it's down in the valleys, if you would. It's down in the, the valleys of life where we see real growth. Let me give you some biblical examples of the valley growth. Let's, let's take, for instance, David and Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. If you know the story, for the sake of time, we won't look there. But if you know the story, David shows up at the, the camp of the Israelites. And the Bible tells us this. And the Bible says that the nation of Israel was on one mountain and the nation of the Philistines was on the other mountain, and there was a great valley in between them. And the conflict took place within the valley. No, 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 David wasn't flinging a a sling across from mountaintop to mountaintop. That wasn't what was happening. No, no, David, the Bible tells us, got down into the valley, if you would, the trenches with Goliath. And as he, as he defeated Goliath, David knew, listen, even though I'm in the valley, even though I'm, 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 I'm making myself vulnerable by being down here in the valley, I know that God is with me. No, God's with me. How about this, Joshua and the nation of Israel, as Joshua led the nation of Israel into the promised land, many battles throughout scripture, if you study it out, were fought within valleys. And one particular that stands out to me is the Valley of Ajalon, where the sun stood still, the Bible says, and the moon stayed. Uh, the, the sun didn't move, the moon didn't move. Listen, God brought a great victory within the battle, but they had to do it within the valley. How about this, even at the end times, if you study eschatology at all, you know this, that at the end times, there'll be a great battle, the battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon. For those of you who take time to study your Bible and really look into and dive into it, you know this, that the valley that sits below Mount Megiddo is what most theologians think, most scholars think will take place in the Battle of Armageddon. Where the Bible says this, that the blood of men will be up to the horse's bridles. Think about that, that valley. We love the mountaintop experience and we love being able to look out and see for miles and we love the accomplishments of the mountain, but let's be honest tonight that nothing really grows on the mountaintop. Nothing really prospers on the mountaintop. No, no, we've got to get down into the valley. So let's give us some context here to our background and 
as far as where we're at in Ezekiel chapter number 37. You've got to understand some things tonight that Ezekiel, in, verse, in chapter number 37, as we're introduced to Ezekiel, Ezekiel was just simply a man of God. You say, why is that so significant, Brother Andrew? Because Ezekiel wasn't anything, in a sense, special. Ezekiel is just like you and I. He's flesh and bone. He has a sinful nature. No, no. Ezekiel wasn't somebody that, that was supernatural, that was superhuman. No, no. Ezekiel was just a man of God. Someone who was just like you and I. He was a sinner. He was putting his faith and trust in God and, and, and the promise of Jesus Christ. And throughout the book of Ezekiel, you and I see that promise preached about and prophesied about. But Ezekiel, he was just, he was just a man of God. He was an Old Testament prophet. And his name means this. His name means God will strengthen. God will strengthen. Ezekiel was carried back into captivity in Babylon in 597 B.C., about 11 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. And he lived during the time of Daniel and Jeremiah as they prophesied as well. But Ezekiel served in some really bad times. Hold your place there in Ezekiel 37 and turn over to Ezekiel chapter number 2. Let me give you an example of kind of the situation that Ezekiel was in. Ezekiel chapter number 2. Listen, Ezekiel served in some pretty low times, if you would, where his crowd was, was obviously captive. His crowd was was in chains and bondage. They were, they were subject to the Babylonian Empire. But I want you to notice here kind of the type of people that Ezekiel had to deal with. Look at Ezekiel chapter number two and verse number three. The Bible says, and he said unto me, this is God speaking to Ezekiel. He says, and he said unto me, son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with uh, this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it. And it was in my mouth. This, oh, I'm in chapter number three. Hold up, chapter number two. Here we go, verse number three. Here we go, now I'm in the right passage. Verse number three says, and he said unto me, son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. Here's, listen, here's God telling Ezekiel, Ezekiel, uh, listen, I, I need you to understand something. I'm sending you specifically to a rebellious nation, but not just to a rebellious nation, but to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me and me alone. Look what God keeps saying here in verse number three. He says, that hath rebelled against me, they and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. It's pretty plain to see the type of people that Ezekiel was preaching to. Let's just be honest. I mean, you know, we, we, we kind of think, man, you know, Brother Andrew, preacher, uh, uh, Brother Mike, whoever's up here preaching, Brother Jimmy, man, be, kind of be nice to the crowd here at Riverside because we're not quite as bad as those people. And it's right. I mean, look at this. Look, look at what God goes on to say. He says, verse number four, for they are impudent children, stiff-hearted. Wow. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, not, let's not get away from this. This is God describing his people. This is God describing his chosen people. And he says this, he says that they're stiff-hearted. He says, I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are rebellious house, yet shall I know, or sorry, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words. Thou briars and thorns be with thee. Thou doest well, sorry, dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Look at verse 7. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Ezekiel's position here in Ezekiel chapter number 2 where he knows he's a prophet of God, he's a man of God, he's talking to God, God's talking to him, and Ezekiel, maybe in his mind, he's thinking, man, you know, what, what great task does God have for me? What great uh, work am I going to do for the cause of God? And, and God says, hey, Ezekiel, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to commission you to go to my people, to my chosen people. Man, that's, that's, God, that's, that's really great. God says, no, no, hold up here. You don't understand. They're rebellious people. 
There are stiff-hearted people. There are people that don't want anything to do with me. And not just the people that you see right now. No, no, no. Look what the Bible says. The Bible talks about their fathers. God is saying this, generation after generation after generation after generation has chosen outright rebellion toward God. Could we, could we relate to that today in 2020? Absolutely. A generation that has, that has stiffened their heart and stiffened their neck toward the things of God. So during Ezekiel's time, the northern kingdom, Israel, had been captive for 100 years. And Nebuchadnezzar had descended upon Jerusalem in the south where Ezekiel was. And Nebuchadnezzar took away about 10,000 uh, of the Israelites that were there in the southern kingdom. So Ezekiel goes up to the northern kingdom. And in this, in this uh, if you would, in this encampment or in this uh, situation that he's in, he's got he's getting a decree from God to preach and to prophesy unto the people. So in chapter number 37, let's go back to our text here. Ezekiel's been preaching, he's been preaching, he's been preaching. And we don't have, for the sake of time, time to go back and to outline every chapter in Ezekiel and to, and, and to outline the, the prophecy that's taken place. And, and I understand tonight that many things that are said within the book of Ezekiel have to do with, with the nation of Israel, have to do with the future events of Israel. Listen, God's not done with Israel. God's not finished with Israel. He's not completed with Israel. Uh, there's still a plan that God has for Israel. And, and if, you, if you haven't really watched the news lately, man, I highly encourage you to watch the news. Watch what is going on in the Middle East right now. Specifically, watch what is going on in Israel. Listen, I, I, I was born 1983. I know, I'm really young. Amen. 1983. And for as long as I can remember, as long as I can remember, Brother Mike, Here's been the theme, peace in the Middle East, peace in the Middle East, peace in the Middle East. Some of you were born a few years before I was, and that's all you remember as well. And can I say this, in 2020, it is starting to come to fruition. There are things that are taking place over in the Middle East right now that are prophetical according to the word of God. So let's keep an eye out for it. But here, here, here God does something very unique. Look at verse number one of chapter 37. The Bible says this, he says, Ezekiel says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. Ezekiel is taken in a vision to a valley full of dry, divided, dispersed bones. He sees the aftermath of a great battle. These bones have been left to lie in the valley. No doubt they were bleached from the sun and picked over by the buzzards. And this was the remnant of what used to be the mighty army of Israel. No, no, no. Let's, let's follow this here. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. I don't think that as God moved in, in Ezekiel's life, and as God placed Ezekiel in that valley, excuse me, I, I don't think Ezekiel was kind of like looking on over, Brother David, and just seeing a few bones there, and a few bones there, and a few bones there. No, no, I believe when the Bible says that it was full of bones, it was full of bones. And I believe that as Ezekiel saw and that vision took place and as God began to work in Ezekiel's heart and in Ezekiel's life and be able to this, this vision coming to fruition, I believe that as he's looking around, he sees skulls and he sees bones and he sees femurs and he sees tibulas and he sees spines, he sees rib cages. Said, Man, that's, that's pretty graphic, Brother Andrew. No, 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 that's what's taking place right here. That's what God is, that's what God is showing Ezekiel. God is showing Ezekiel, the re listen, he's showing Ezekiel the reality of the decision of the nation of Israel. God says, listen, you obey me, you follow me, I'll bless you. But when you turn your back on me and you rebel against me, my hand of blessing comes off. And that is exactly what God is showing. And so here's Ezekiel, he's down in the valley and he's looking at what's going on. And, and listen, Ezekiel, just a man, just like you and I, yes, he's a prophet of God. Yes, he's a man of God. 
But I'm sure there were some deep emotions that were taking place in his heart and in his life. For instance, listen to this. As Ezekiel's probably looking around, seeing all the bones, I'm sure he saw the destruction that had taken place. I'm sure that, imagine that as Ezekiel's looking at the valley, and I, I've never been to the promised land. I know Brother Mike has, and, 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 and I, I've studied out some of the geography, but I, I know the valleys are a lot bigger than what we think, and the valleys are a lot wider than what we think. And I could only imagine a valley uh, in the grand scheme of things as massive as it was there in the promised land. And I can almost imagine that valley being as massive and, and, and two, three, four miles wide, five, six, seven, eight miles long. And I'm picturing here as Ezekiel standing there and he's, he's looking at the bones and he sees bones over here and bones over there and, and bones on top of bones over there. And he could see where bodies were, were laying on top of each other. I'm sure there was some destruction that took place there, that battlefield. And Ezekiel's all he sees is the destruction. But at the same time, I'm sure Ezekiel's looking at this, and here's what else he sees. Man, he sees the despair. He sees the despair. He's like, man, well, look, look at this army. Look at this mighty force that once was, was, was active and once was strong and once had victory in their heart. He sees death. He sees defeat. He sees complete failure. You see, if we're not careful tonight, when you and I go through the valleys of this life, all we're going to see is the destruction and the defeat and the despair. Listen, I'm thankful tonight, I'm thankful tonight that the lesson that God was trying to teach Ezekiel was not focused on what Ezekiel saw, but rather was focused on what God can and what God will do. Listen, when we go through the struggles, when we go through the valleys of life, it is so easy, and myself included, to look at the circumstances and to look at the situation and to focus on the negative and to focus on what is not taking place and to focus on the despair and to focus on the destruction. Listen, there are people in our church tonight that have gone uh, through some major things in their life and in their home life and in their marriages and in their families with their kids and parents and all kinds of problems, job-related, financial-related, health-related, you name it, we've all been there. If we're not careful, we look at the negative sides of the valley, and that's our focus. Listen, it's so easy to look at the things that didn't happen rather than look at the things that did happen. Here's Ezekiel standing back, and he's standing in the midst of all these bones, guys. And and I'm sure that as Ezekiel's looking at the bones, it's like, what is going on? You ever been in a situation in your life where you feel so just desperate, despair, broken, frustrated, hurt, angry, discontented, to where in, maybe not publicly to your spouse or to your kids or to your pastor or to another brother or sister in Christ, but inwardly you would say, what is going on here? I'm sure that's a little bit of probably what Ezekiel was feeling right about now. Because look at what happens here. Look at verse number two. As as verse number one gives us where he's at, verse number two, look at what happens here. It says, and cause me to pass by them round about. Here's what that verse means. Is God places Ezekiel in the midst of the valley and Ezekiel sees all the bones. He doesn't stop right there. God causes him to go from one side of the valley to the other to see the complete destruction, the complete despair, the complete mess that took place in the valley. So if you thought from right here, looking at this perspective, like, man, this is horrible. This is unbelievable. This is, I can't even put this in the words. Now Ezekiel's going from one pile of bones, one mass grave, just bones after bones after bones after bones after bones after bones. And look what he says in verse two. He says, and behold, there were very many in the open valley 
And lo, they were very dry. So here's God. He tells Ezekiel, verse number three, he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? Listen, we're not not in Ezekiel chapter number three. No, no, we're in Ezekiel chapter number 37. He said, brother Andrew, what do you mean by that? For the last mm, 30 plus chapters, Ezekiel has been saying this, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And here God, follow me, here God says to Ezekiel, "Mm, son of man, can these bones live? And here's Ezekiel's response. Oh Lord, thou knowest. No, no, no. It's almost as if in the valley and looking at seeing all the destruction and the despair and the negativity, Ezekiel didn't say this. Absolutely, God, you're God. Follow this. Follow this. He said, Lord, you know. Lord, whatever. No, no, no. See, there's a lack of confidence. There's a lack of assurity that Ezekiel had. And so here in verse number four, look what God says. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. So what is it tonight that we can glean from this passage of scripture? What is it tonight? Victory in the valley. And then looking at this text and studying it out and looking at the life of Ezekiel, there's a couple of things I think that we can recognize when we're brought to the valley. Because let's be honest, when we get to the valleys of life, Uh, those aren't the things that we get excited about. Those aren't the things that we get on Facebook and go, man, guess what? I'm in a valley right now and it is awesome. No, 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 no. That's not trending on social media. No, no, when you and I, let's be honest tonight, when you and I are in the valley of despair, when we're looking at, let's just say, for instance, illustration here, when we're looking at all the dead bones around us, when we're looking at the despair and the destruction and the frustration and the defeat, when we're at that point, What are we to do? What are we supposed to do? Where's the confidence that we need to have? Look at verse number one of our text here. Give you three things and we'll be done and we'll get out of here. And I haven't haven't messed up on my notes yet. Praise the Lord. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, And the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out to the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. So in considering Ezekiel and considering what's taken place in this text, let's consider the victory that took place in the valley. Number one tonight, we gotta realize the providence of God brought you and I to the valley. You realize tonight that Ezekiel didn't just stumble upon the valley. He just didn't go, you know, I'm gonna check the weather reports and, and I'm gonna drive or I'm gonna take a ride on a camel and, and I'm just gonna, no, no, no. The Bible tells us here in verse number one, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. You know, so often we think that when we're in those trials of life and we're in the valleys, if you would, that, that, that God's the farthest thing from us. But can I say this? And looking at this passage, I can really see God moving and working in Ezekiel's life. And there's things as we get into this chapter here that God's gonna do. Listen, that had God not taken Ezekiel to the valley, Ezekiel never would have realized it. He never would have had to, he never would have been able to experience it. See, the Bible reveals that it was the Lord who positioned Ezekiel exactly in the place that he needed to be. The valley of life that you and I are in is not because of coincidence. It's not because of happenstance. It's not because of some karma or anything else. No, no, the valley that you and I go through in life, we're there because that's the providence of God. So Brother Andrew, I don't understand my, this valley that I'm in, it's horrible. The valley that I'm in is full of death and despair and destruction. Can I say this? Listen, I don't know everything that God does. 
I, I wish I did. I wish, that, I wish that I had all the knowledge in the world that I could say, well, that's why God did that. 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 I can't answer all those questions. And you can't answer all those questions. But I can tell you this, that when I go through struggles and when you go through struggles, we're not going through those struggles alone. God's with us. See, the valley of life that we're in is so important for us to recognize God's hand. Here's, here's what David said. Here's how David described it in the Psalms. He said this in Psalm 5, verse number 8. He said, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. In Psalm 22, verse number 5, he said, lead me in thy truth and teach me. In Psalm 27, verse 11, he said, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. In Psalm 31, verse number 3, he said, therefore, thy namesake, lead me and guide me. Psalm 61, verse 2, he said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You see, if you and I are going to say to God tonight, Lord, lead me, Lord, guide me, Lord, I want you to move in my life, God, I want you to work in my life. When God directs us and God leads us through the valley, let's not shake the finger at God and say, God, not right now. God, I can't handle this. No, 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 no. You don't see in this scripture here where Ezekiel looks at God and says, hold up, hold up. These are dead bones. I'm a man of God. I can't be around these. Oh, nope. You, you don't find that in scripture. No, no, no. Ezekiel recognized that the position that he was in, the position that God placed him in, was exactly where God wanted him to be. There were some things that God needed to show and to teach Ezekiel, but God first had to take him through the valley. Maybe tonight we've been stuck in the valley for a long time. We're wondering why. Why, Brother Andrew, am I stuck in the valley? Why have I been in this valley of despair and frustration and why am, I, why am I just going through the same thing and seemingly I'm looking at these dead bones and dead bones and dead bones and dead bones and dead bones? Man, it's just frustrating. Maybe tonight it's because we're not learning the lesson or the principle that God wants us to learn. God said this, look at verse number two. It says, and caused, uh, caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. Excuse me. How do I get victory in the valley? Number one, tonight, realize that God brought me there. Number two, number two, look at verse number three. It says, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. God, I don't know. Lord, you're asking me? I'm just a man of God. I've just been, I've just been preaching and prophesying to a people that, that are stiff-necked and that are rebellious and that are hateful and want nothing to do with you. I mean, God... God, how could you, what you, look at verse four. Again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Number one, how do I get victory in the valley? Number one, realize God brought me there. But number two, I've got to realize the presence of God is with me in the valley. Ezekiel walks about the valley considering the devastation and the peril of the scene and he takes it all in. <clears throat> he doesn't just say in verse number one that the valley which is, full of bones, but then he goes on to verse number two, if you look at our text, where he says this, that there were very many in the open valley, and though they were very dry. It's more descriptive of what he's seeing and what's taking place within the valley. <clears throat> God uses a man or uses a woman who does more than casually considers the state of things in their life. No, no, God uses a man or uses a woman that looks at the situations of life and looks at the things that are taking place in their life, and look at where God has them specifically, and they say this, God, I don't quite fully understand everything that has taken place, but God, as I'm trusting you, I have confidence that you're with me, that you're with me. <clears throat> in the midst of the valley, the same God that had brought him to it was with him in it. Psalm 139, David wrote this. He said, whether shall I go from thy spirit, 
Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. In the valley, the presence of God is always present with us. We're in the valley of life. We're in the struggle of life. We're going through a situation. We're going through a hard time, whatever the case is. We want to cry out to God. God, I need you to answer this prayer. God, I, I run into this problem. God, I've got this struggle. God, I need you to do this. And God, why aren't you answering me? You know, sometimes we think when God doesn't answer us that he's not there. The reality is sometimes God's just silent. Sometimes God's just quiet. <clears throat> your spouses know what I'm talking about. You know, when your wife wants to come talk to you and, and she just wants to talk and talk and talk, sometimes the best thing to do as a spouse is not say anything. Amen? Oh... No, 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 no. There's times, listen, there's times where you and I as God's children, we go to God as children and start complaining to God, start talking to God. You know what God in heaven is? He's listening. He's listening. He's listening. Here we are, we're waiting for the response from God. We're waiting for the response and sometimes God doesn't give the response. But that doesn't mean he's not present with us. How do I get victory in the valley? Number one, realize God brought me there. Number two, realize God's presence is with me. And lastly, number three, notice verse number five. The Bible says this, thus saith the Lord unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you. He's talking about the flesh, the meat, the muscle, the tendons. He says, I will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Number three, realize the provision of God that is available for you and I in the valley. You see, as Ezekiel's in the valley, he is given orders from the Lord. And he, uh, it's, in, as you study this, this chapter out and you keep reading there in, in, in verse number, chapter, sorry, chapter number 37, there's multiple times where God says this, I will, I will, I will. One of the things that <clears throat> is encouraging when we go through the storms and we go through the trials of life and when we think about that, we think about that victory in Jesus and we think about the times where we're not, we're, listen, we're not uh, as close to God as we want to be as close to God. And we think about those things. Well, here's what we can hold on to. God will provide in such a way, God will provide in such a way that he will get all the honor and the glory. Look at our text. In verse number seven, he says this. This is Ezekiel. So I prophesied, as I was commanded. I prophesied as I was commanded. No, no, Ezekiel in the valley wasn't arguing with God. He wasn't saying, okay, God, you don't understand. I, can, I, I got a better way. Like, let's just clean all these bones on out. No, no, no. Ezekiel did exactly what God wanted him to do. And then look what took place. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. Behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And I we beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, and there were no breath in them. Here's Ezekiel, he's talking to God, he's in the valley, he's looking at the despair, the destruction, and he's having this conversation with God, and and God's basically providing everything that he needs for Ezekiel to get, get ready to see this great victory in the valley. And God looks at Ezekiel and says, Ezekiel, here's what I want you, I want you to prophesy. So Ezekiel does what? He just prophesies. He does exactly what God tells him to do. Next thing you know, the Bible tells us that Ezekiel starts hearing a noise. 
And as he's standing back here and he's looking at the valley and he's, he's looking all around him, he's seen bones come to bone. I don't know about you, but that would kind of, yeah, just, you know, I mean, thus saith the Lord. I mean, let's think about this for a second. Use your imagination a little bit here as, as ribs are coming together and spines are coming together and, and you're looking up at eye level with the skull and you got arms and bones and everything's taking place. And listen, it doesn't stop there. Look what God does. Look what God does. He says in verse number seven, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. I mean, that right there would give me the heebie-jeebies, amen? I just, I just, I'm not a big scared type person. Man, I could just imagine like, okay, God here, I'm gonna prophesy, thus saith the Lord, and I'm watching bones form together, but God does this, look at verse number eight, and when I beheld lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them. I was trying to figure out how a way I could illustrate this tonight, which teenage boy I could cut up and, no, I'm just kidding. But you could imagine tonight as Ezekiel's standing there and he's, he's, listen, he's seen bones cover the floor. No, no, we're not talking about, we're not talking about 10, 20, 30. We're not talking about hundreds. We're not talking about thousands, maybe hundreds, thousands, maybe a million sets of bones all over this valley. He's seen bones as far as he can see. And all of a sudden, he sees all these bones come together. And all these bodies begin to form. But God just doesn't put the bones together. Look what God does in verse number eight. God begins to put flesh upon these bones. God begins to put eyeballs in. Begins to put hair. Begins to put meat on those bones. Next thing you know, here, here's, here's Ezekiel. He's looking at just a skeleton. He's looking at a, at a figure. Next thing you know, he's looking at it. And he's got this figure looking right back at him with these big brown eyes and teeth. And fingers, just standing there like this. I don't know about you, that's pretty powerful. But God doesn't stop there. Look what God keeps providing. Look what he says. The latter part of verse 8, but there was no breath in them. Here's Ezekiel looking at just these bodies, just stiff as could be. No breath. Breath is a representation of life. So here's what God does. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man. And say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I want you to notice what God says here, because it's very key to pick up in this passage. The latter part of verse number nine, he says this, come with the four winds, O breath, notice what he says, and breathe upon these slain. These are men that had died. And not died recently, Brother Mike. These had men that had died a long time ago. You, how, you say, how do you say that, Brother? Listen, Ezekiel says there's many dry bones. Many dry bones. They've been bleached. They've been picked over by the ravens and the vultures and the animals. Probably a very disgusting, morbid scene. Flies, maggots, you name it. Probably is what's taking place. And God says this. Look at verse number 9. He says, breathe upon these slain that they may live. Verse 10, so I, Ezekiel, prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Follow me here. Here's Ezekiel. He's preaching the word of God. He's a man of God. Listen, he's doing the right thing. He's doing exactly what God wants him to do. He's serving God. He's living for God. He's honoring God. No, 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 no. Doesn't matter what the nation of Israel's doing. He's preaching to them, but he's going to live right. So Ezekiel makes the conscious choice to live right. 
In the verse, chapter number 37, verse number 1, the hand of the Lord's upon him, and Ezekiel goes down into the valley, and he sees the despair, he sees the destruction, he sees the absolute chaos that took place. And listen, I, I dare say that as he's looking at all these bones, it's just almost like the wind, in a sense, got out of the sail. But in the valley, God does some things for Ezekiel. And God shows Ezekiel, I'm not done. I'm not done. You know, one of the greatest things about going through the valleys of life is that when it gets to that point to where you realize, when God says, I'm not done. You get to that point going through the valley, through the struggle, through the hard times, and you get to that point where maybe you're falling flat on your face or where God answers a big prayer, and it's just like God, God just gives you that reminder, I'm not done. I'm not done. You might be going through a hard time, and you might be going through difficulty, and you might be frustrated, and you might feel like quitting and throwing in the towel and, and just walking away, but I'm not done. Ezekiel had been preaching for years to rebellious, stiff-necked, Bible describes them as scorpion-type people, people who could care less about the things of God. So God does this. God takes Ezekiel from the pulpit, if you would, puts him in the valley, looking at a bunch of dead bones. And here's what he says to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, watch, not the bones. Ezekiel, watch, not yourself. Ezekiel, watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. Every Christian will experience valleys in life. And let's be honest tonight, valleys are not what we look forward to. It's not what we get excited about. It's not something that we pray for. It's not trials and tribulations. It's not like we wake up in the morning, tomorrow morning, and in our, our prayer book, we're like, Lord, I just, Lord, I, I want to go through a trial this morning. Lord, I want to go through a difficulty today. No, 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 no. That's not our prayer. That's not our prayer request. But next time you and I go through valleys and go through tests and go through trials, let's remember a couple things. Number one, God brought us there. Don't think for a second tonight that wherever you're at in life that God isn't there and God didn't bring you there. God didn't have a, it just happenstance. Like God was up, up in heaven just taking a nap, sleeping. No, 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 no. God, if you're saved tonight, God has complete control. Jehovah God, he brought you there. Number two, understand this, that God is with us there. God's not gonna forsake you in the valley. He's not gonna forsake you. And then number three, remember this, that God will provide exactly what we need there. So, Brother Andrew, I struggle with that one. I do too. Because sometimes I think that God needs to provide this way or that way. You know what God did for Ezekiel? God did exactly, listen, did exactly what he needed to do for Ezekiel. He didn't do any more. He didn't do any less. He said, Ezekiel, here's the plan. Watch what I do. General Dwight Eisenhower said this. I thought it was a really good quote. For those of you that don't know, General Dwight Eisenhower was the Supreme Allied Commander during World War II over in Europe. He said this. He said, there are no victories at discounted prices. There are no victories at discounted prices. Listen, there's victory in the valley. There's victory in the valley, and God gives it to us. And God lined it out for Ezekiel, and God lines it out for you and I. But where's our focus at tonight? How's our heart tonight when we're in the valley? Father, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity it has been to be able to be in your house tonight. Lord, I pray that the message has been an encouragement. Lord, I have no idea the struggles that individual people are going through, whether they're an adult, a teenager, a child. Lord, I have no idea the struggles maybe that are taking place within marriages or maybe people's finances or whatever the case might be. But Lord, I can't help but think tonight that in this congregation this size, there might be someone or there might be someone that's been going through some tough times. Or there might be somebody that's gone through some valleys and they're going through some struggles right now. And 
Maybe they haven't even expressed anything with anybody. They haven't said anything to anybody, but Lord, deep down inside their heart, they know it's been tough. Lord, I pray this tonight, God, that you would, Lord, just encourage them. Encourage them to know, Lord, let them know that you're with them in the valley, that you brought them there, Lord, and that you're going to provide. You'll take care of them. Lord, I'm thankful for the example that we find here in Ezekiel chapter number 37. And Lord, Ezekiel, as he prophesied, as he preached, as he labored for the cause of Christ, and, and Lord, did exactly what you asked him to do. Yet he still found himself in the valley looking at the dead bones, the dried up bones, and the destruction, the despair, and the filth. Lord, could have gotten very focused on the negative. But in that valley, Lord, you taught Ezekiel some important lessons. Lord, help us to learn those lessons as well tonight so we might be a better witness, might be a better testimony. So we just might enjoy this Christian life even more. And God, when we do go through those valleys, we know when we're in them. Lord, help us to go through them with the right spirit. As we stand tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, the piano is going to begin to play. As we stand tonight, if God spoke in your heart, I encourage you to respond, whether it's there in your seat or at the altar. Listen, every one of us goes through storms. Every one of us goes through trials. There's things in our life that we go through. It's not a coincidence that we go through it. Listen, we didn't even name specific valleys tonight, but we could name a valley of maybe marriage problems, maybe divorce, maybe drugs, maybe alcohol. Go through a valley of just frustration and depression and discouragement. Listen, it's, a, it's sad to see the statistics when it comes to suicide. The last, this, and just in 2020, how they've quadrupled because of the coronavirus. Listen, don't get, don't get discouraged. Don't get in despair. God's with you in the valley.